Hello again, and welcome to episode 28 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson, and today we're checking in with two of the top restylers in the country, Josh Polson and Jared Cohen, in a semi-regular special edition of In Gear with the Shop that we call Shop versus Shop. This time around, we're going to focus on supply chain issues and how Josh and Jared are working around those issues in their own ways. Now, Josh Polson is principal of Auto Editions in Columbus, Ohio. He's the chair of the SEMA Pro Council, that is the Professional Restylers Council, and a member of Restylers United, a group of the top restyling shops in the U.S. Jared Cohen is CEO of Auto Action Group in New York and New Jersey. He's a board member of the SEMA Pro Council, is also a member of Restylers United, and has been instrumental in the advancement of safety technology represented by the Vision Zero movement. Both are columnists for The Shop Magazine, and we're very grateful to have them join us with their unique and sometimes controversial perspectives. But before we get into it with Josh and Jared, just a reminder that you can find this podcast at theshopmag.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Go to your favorite platform, subscribe, and listen at your leisure. Now let's get in gear with Josh and Jared. Well, I appreciate y'all coming on board again. And, uh, you know, the big issue that I see out there and I hear it all in, in a lot of different industries. And one of the things I've been hearing about the supply chain, now they're calling it a crisis to some degree, right? Um, is that it could get a lot worse before it gets better. And I've heard anything from, you know, maybe we'll see some return, return to normalcy, say Q2, Q3 of next year, even so. Anyway, we've got to live with this right now. So I wanted to talk to y'all about how y'all are dealing dealing with supply chain issues right now. Well, I tell but, you, it's been uh, definitely been a challenge, right? This ever since the pandemic started. And I, I don't know, I'll let Jared speak to it for a minute, but it seems to me it's like it depends on what the product is. And sometimes there'll be a run on something. Maybe it's tonneau covers or maybe it's step bars. But the consistent one that I see across the board that have any problem is anything with electronics. Um, it's been really difficult. Obviously, a lot of stuff comes from overseas. And so when it comes to radios, touchscreen radios, normal radios, a lot of uh, um, audio equipment, all of that stuff has been very scarce and hard to get. Right. And so, what about you, Josh? Yeah. I mean, Jacob. That was, that, <laughs> that was Josh. That was Josh. You're Jared. I could speak on behalf of Josh, but you probably wouldn't want to hear that. <laughs> That's okay. I don't need <laughs> you to speak on behalf of yeah, me, boy. Yeah, let's without, not do the that. Video, without the video, yeah, it could be trouble. So uh, Josh is 100% right. And I think what happened to us, our industry, when you speak about electronics is we had those uh, th- those issues with the chip shortage due to, uh, we understand some plants, I guess, having a fire. And there was other issues that escalated. Uh, overseas where we had this chip shortage, right? So we were dealing with this supply chain uh, issues before the actual catastrophe of like the boats not getting here, us not having the ability to unload them, not having the logistic personnel to ship the product throughout the the 50 states. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were dealing with this uh, back, like Josh says, uh, shortly after COVID uh, hit. And we're just seeing that it compounded, I think, with a lot of these supply uh, chain. Yeah. Right. So what, what are y'all so, doing? What are y'all doing to so, overcome that? Well, I, I think for us, you know, we look outside our normal, uh, you know, partnerships. So we have to mm. look 
uh, to other uh, vendors, suppliers, manufacturers to support our clients, right? Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we want to be loyal, but you've got to be loyal to a fault uh, and make sure that you can cover your expenses. I mean, uh, just the other day, um, my business partner, Joe, came up to me and said, Jared, I think I'm thinking about buying radios from Walmart. I said, really? Oh, no. Yeah. And I oh, said, no. you can't be serious. And then we made something up that he needed, you needed to work part-time there to open up a business account or have like a, an employee account. <laughs> so he had his wife, he had his wife going to apply for uh, applications. I'm like, Joe, she's not going to work at Walmart for radio. It's like, we're not that desperate, but that's my partner. He'll chase, he'll chase a dollar and he'll, he'll run after it. Um, and uh, I love him for it, but sometimes you got to look back and say, okay, does that make sense? Right. Do we want to buy um, product from a Walmart with the understanding that their warranty may be inferior or, you know, uh, product might be, it's not, yeah, the product, it's not, um, a a, a vendor or supplier that we're accustomed to to working with. And we know they have our back. So while we try to look out outside and and look and source this product from, from certain suppliers, we keep it within, uh, you know, let's say a SEMA family, right. Or a CES family, uh, companies that we know and familiar ourselves with. Right. So is it just a matter of calling around and saying, Hey, do you have this product? Hey, do you have this product? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's similar to what Jared's saying. Yeah. You have to, you have to be flexible. Let's say you're a shop that, you know, you build your, you've always carried a certain brand of radio or electronics and you, and your techs like that brand and you're happy and you got a good relationship with the vendor right now, they may not have it or it's so slow coming in. So are people either willing to wait or are they willing to switch to maybe a brand that you're now willing to buy that were where maybe you weren't before. So I think like Jared said, you have to, yeah, you have to get on the phone. You have to find out what is what's in stock and then go back to the customer and say, listen, if you're looking for it tomorrow, this is what's in stock. Here's the goods, the bad, the bads of it, make a decision. If you want to wait, it'll come in, but it's going to be slow and we can put your name on a list. So we've had that. We've had it both ways where customers didn't want to maybe sacrifice some quality or go outside what they were used to, but they just had to be put on a waiting list. But that's everybody. I mean, that's that's across the board, but it's really bad with electronics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And the I think issue. also the chip issue. And I think like, you know, some some listeners out there may say, well, I do business with my X amount of support my vendors, my suppliers, and I don't know who else to contact. And I think this is an important time more than ever. Josh and I are, are, are um, advocates and, and we're part of as many groups as possible, right? We're, as we talked about, we're part of an uh, Restyle United group. We're part of the SEMA Pro Council. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to engage these councils and these partnerships um, because in these times you can reach out. I, I've reached out to a Josh or to 30 other people to say, hey, we need help here. And people, you know, we work with each other. We provide each other those uh, resources to source some of this product. So that's been a lifesaver for us, you know, a lifeline uh, to have uh, these partnerships around the country of, of contemporaries that we can speak to, uh, to right. try to source some of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you find the same thing, Josh? Yeah. And, and I don't think it's going to get any better when it comes to inventory, like you said, Q2, Q3. But I think even in, in our industry, when it comes to, to like 12-volt electronics, I think it's going to even be a little bit worse just because it's at the low end of the totem pole when it comes to these chip shortages. And, you know, and let's face it, even the government's putting they're, – they're getting involved in saying where some chips can be allocated to and where not. 
Uh, it's not whoever has the deepest pockets always. So, you know, what's more pressing people to get a car or to, for a, um, a piece of machinery in the healthcare industry to be running or for someone to upgrade their radio. And we understand right. that most, yeah. and most people do understand. So I think, I think our, what we have to do as shops is um, you have to be patient. You have to learn this new business. You have to explain to customers up front. Um, we can't just promise it like we used to, that we could, they can have it in a week. It's going to take a while and we're going to have to get used to this new norm. Um, I think for at least another year. So what are some other things that you're doing to stay busy outside of, so you're finding certain product categories, especially electronics to be problematic to say the least at this point. So are there other things that you're doing to stay busy and to ensure that you have work going through the shop all the time? I, I, yeah, for so, us, go ahead, Jared, you, you guys do a yeah. lot of fleet business. Yeah. So for, for us, that's right. So the car dealer, as we know, right, it's not just the radio, but the chips affecting the actual uh, vehicle, right, and the production of that vehicle or the distribution of that vehicle. So we're seeing, uh, you know, car dealerships that are accustomed to having, you know, three, 400 cars in a lot, they have 50, 60 cars. So we're, we're seeing that pinch. And, and when they do get cars, it's like they, they're reluctant to give them to us because they're moving off the lot as quickly as they're getting them. Uh, and, they're, and they're making good margin on them. So, you know, for us, we don't necessarily need to see car inventory come back to that 17 million number, but we need it to be a little bit uh, um, more consistent. So there, those opportunities are there where the dealer needs us, but, you know, it's not too busy where they don't think about us. And it's not, you know, not enough inventory like today where they're just, they're moving them out and it's such a hot commodity. So we've really focused uh, on fleet, as we've talked about, right, for years now uh, on, on these call on these shows and, and these, uh, podcasts, and I, you know, I, I continue to preach it, but I, I'm fortunate, and we're fortunate as an organization today that uh, about 50% of our business uh, the last two months uh, has been fleet to the dealership. So it's about uh, half and half, right? So about half our business today is fleet business, and a lot of that is labor only. Right, you'll you'll not only partner with the fleet company, right? You're not only going to partner with that private fleet company that has 20 vehicles in the market, but you should reach out to some of the manufacturers of the fleet technology. And maybe you're you're not accustomed to selling the technology, but you can certainly install the technology for them. And they're all looking for for that value add. They're looking for the right partner. And a lot of our work today is uh, is is labor only work. It's just install work. I don't have to worry about sourcing the product. That's their problem. They have the product, they have the deal, they have the PO, and we go out to the site and we, we perform the work for them. And it's in every market. It's not just in my market. I mean, we do travel. I'm not, I'm not saying people need to travel, but you need to start asking and speaking um, and thinking outside the box when you speak to some of these partnerships and these vendors, uh, not just those fleet customers. Okay. What, what about you, Josh? So... I agree with Jared. You have to go after the fleet business. Um, we're not doing as much as Jared is um, on a large scale fleet where we focused our attention. Um, and we told, we told our guys, Hey, we're going to have to work smarter and harder uh, to gain, to keep, make sure we're, we have business coming through. So what we've looked at is since we do so much work with the car dealerships, our retail business is up. So we're taking more advantage of that, but our, since our since the dealers don't have as many cars, what is going on at the dealership that's a positive? Well, the positive right now is the dealerships are making a lot of money. And the reason is, is because with the lack of inventory, they're able to hold price on these cars. You're not seeing huge rebates right now. You're not even seeing them advertised on 
on TV. So the manufacturers are making good money. The dealerships are making good money with a lot less vehicles. So how can we help with that? Well, there, I'm a big fan of giving value to a customer. So we'll go into some of our car dealerships. And right now, the hot trend for car dealers is to put a lack of availability or a market adjustment addendum on these vehicles. So you might have a brand new vehicle that they're not only selling for sticker, they're selling for $5,000 over sticker, which to me, as a, as a buyer of a vehicle, almost kind of is insulting. <laughs> that here a year ago, you were given 5000 off this vehicle. Now you're making me pay not just full MSRP with the manufacturer, but you're going to charge me an extra 5000 just because you have it in stock. So what we've gone to those some of those dealers says, is let's add some value to the car with some maybe some film products like a clear mask, or there's a lot of other products that you can preload um, quickly, efficiently, so that they can sell the car quickly, but now they can make their extra margin and but still give some value back to the customer because you want to they want to retain those customers through service and through uh, their next vehicle they're not just looking for a one-time um, big sale in, on these customers so bring some products to them that have some value that you can do a quick quick turnaround or even on the lot so that they can be done and sold because as soon as those cars come off the lot they're usually sold within a couple days are, are there certain product categories where you're not having an issue with supply well, I think film is a big one that Josh just touched on. Uh, you know, I think we saw bedliner uh, material for a little while there, but that seems to have uh, flushed itself out. And um, I think the leather business uh, was indicative of COVID more so than other supply chain issues. So we're starting to see that leather business uh, streamline itself a little bit, uh, a little bit as well. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Are you that, saying that you're you're finding that that product is easier to source for you? Yeah, more readily available to where it was uh, pre-COVID. Oh, okay, uh, but but during COVID there was there was a real issue with 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 leather. Uh, like I said, bedliner uh, for a while there we couldn't get product, um, but uh, we're seeing that kind of you know streamline itself more so. Film we never really saw an issue. We're seeing price increases in film. I'll tell you that sure. much, and, and they're coming yeah. fast and furious. But um, so, but to Josh's point, I don't think anybody's complaining. Uh, from a retail perspective about price or, or availability, you know, people are willing to wait right now. They have, they, they have the understanding uh, that it's everything and everywhere. So. And Reagan, I would like to also say, you know, truck accessories in general have gotten a lot better in the last six months uh, last year. And Jared would said it's indicative of COVID it's because, you know, nobody knew what the pandemic was bringing, bringing on. So there was that time period where everything that was in warehouses got bought up and the manufacturers weren't mm. filling up warehouses again. So, but our industry as a whole has done a tremendous job of getting back to having products in stock. I'm talking everything from hitches, tonneau covers, step bars, um, lift packages are still a little bit iffy, but, uh, wheels and tires are can be a little tough right now, but for the most part, our industry as a whole has done a great job. And I, you know, a great shout out to the manufacturers. A lot of these manufacturers have, and we see this as buyers, but they've taken it on the chin when it comes to shipping and transportation uh, to get these products back in just to have something to sell. Yeah, they've passed on some price increases, but they, you know, in some in, in many ways, they've taken a bigger hit just to have product on the shelf to keep the industry afloat. Um, 
then trying to make up their full margin. So a, a good shout out to the whole industry as a, as a whole to as a whole to come back together. And do y'all have any advice about the best way to go after that used car market? I mean, I, we've never been successful uh, like a lot of people around the country that we, we speak to uh, through our car dealers uh, with some of the accessories. But uh, for us, it's it's through the fleet, right? Because to me, I'm I'm touching the, well, some of those 270 million cars on the road uh, through the fleet channel. But we as a company have really never been overly successful uh, in that used market. We sell paper products like the warranties that we spoke about to uh, a, hand, a handful of like um, you know standalone independent used car uh, facilities. But Josh is probably a, a lot more uh, successful than, than we have been uh, when it comes to used, the used car what? side of it. Yeah. If you want to be successful used cars, you have to do two things. You have to, number one, have a diversified portfolio of products you can offer them. So, I mean, you have to be able to offer them pretty much anything that they're going to need to make that one used car perfect for that customer. Um, in the used car market, it's a little different because a customer will come in and they'll see a vehicle and they're comparing it to another similar vehicle, but it may have different features on it. So it's different than a new car where they could just, in, in theory, go in and pick out whatever they want. With a used car, it's, well, this one has this many miles and it has leather. This one over here has a sunroof, no leather, but it has this many miles and the price is about the same. Well, what you have to do is you have to do meetings, you have to do training with these dealerships to make sure that they realize every vehicle on their lot can become whatever that customer needs it to be. So if that vehicle needs to have leather, it needs to have window tint or remote start, we are the gap filler where we can make it um, so that it, now they're comparing apples to apples or they've got a better car than what's out there. So what a lot of dealerships don't do is um, they don't take that next step. A customer looks online, they ask pricing about it, um, but they don't really ask them, well, what is it about our car that you don't like? And then the, the customer will tell them, well, the other one over here across town is about the same price. It's about a thousand bucks more, but it has leather. Well, what if we could match their price and put leather in it for you, sir? Well, then this is the car I would want. Great, make it happen. So you have to do training for the dealerships and then have a wide variety of products to offer to, uh, to fill those gaps for the dealer. Okay. And so, uh, you know, earlier we touched on the, on the fact or the possibility, the potential for these supply chain issues running it well into Q3 of next year, knowing that, how are y'all planning for the worst, so to speak? It almost seems like um, Jared did plan for the worst a long, a while ago when, when they really started to get into the fleet market, <laughs> right? So you were prepared for yeah, something so like this. He's so smart, Reagan. He's a genius. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of luck. It's dumb luck if you knew me, like Josh is. He's being facetious right now. But uh, I, I said almost as if, yeah, right? Yeah, I didn't exactly. say as if you, Fair. you're right. Okay. All right. You both know me, can I say. But um, yeah, I think I, I think it's just as good a time as, as any. And, I, and I, I believe if you're not in a business like film, uh, the film business, it's something to, to take a, a hard look at now. Uh, you don't have to be applying full wraps. You don't have to be applying highway packages. You could start off with like hood fender mirror kits that are not as, uh, you know, difficult to, to of a learning curve to get into the game. And like Josh said, get out there to your stores and maybe run a preload on them. You know, we have three stores uh, that we do, we do about, 35 to 40 hood fender mirrors every month with them, like clockwork. Uh, it's Toyota, Hyundai store, uh, and uh, 
and and it works for them and, they, and and they're consistent with it you know we go out there even with limited inventory and we're still putting them on the cars for them so um i think you need to look uh at some of the products that are going to be more readily available over the next year uh and also look at what we do with the fleet and and those those cars that are on the road today and uh, what can we do to help uh, support uh, some of that technology, that, that safety technology that, that these manufacturers may have in, in, in stock and, and uh, you know, uh, sold already to customers or in the process of selling to customers. Okay. So um, you're basically saying, you know, find the product that's available, right? That yeah. you can, that you can provide and, and adapt. Really push that stuff. And yeah. adapt. And guess what? A year from now, when everything's back and moving, you'll be in a much better place because now you picked up a whole nother product line, you know, and now, 12 electronics comes back right and this is up and growing and you've had the time to really focus on this because you needed to um sometimes that's how you know you got to find the, the blessing in disguise sometimes you know i think right? i think now too is a uh it's a bit it's been an amazing time for me to work on the business because um even though our, our numbers have stayed uh, relatively good um and about the same it seems like dealerships are a little slower. They're not selling as many cars, so they have more time to spend. And our, my my sales team isn't out there um, uh, maybe working the same way they were, you know, before inventory. When back when there was a ton of inventory, they were walking the lots, they were picking out vehicles, doing this. Well, now they can't do that. So what we've done is we've adjusted to. Uh, make sure that everybody understands the technology that we can offer in presenting the products. So we have a configurator that we use that uh, we allow customers to get involved with. We train them on that. They can uh, they can download our app. They can see products. So we're training. We're working smarter now than I think we ever have to take this time and make sure that dealerships can really get the best bang for their buck when they're working with us. They can make good money on us. And this, like Jared said, when the other stuff comes back, we'll be even in a better position. But right now, don't waste the opportunity. Dealers are happy because they're making great money, but they're not as busy. So implement some of these things, these technologies where you can build your roots in deep with that dealership and the dealership uh, sends you all the business. So that's what we've been working on. And, and, he's, and he's spot on. I think, uh, you know, just today, uh, I always part, I overheard a call uh, one of our larger dealer groups, uh, because they have that time and they're able to build that process uh, internally, they were looking at a configurator and how to implement it uh, into their process. And Josh is 100% right. You know, now's the time to, to look at some of these, um, th these, these new business processes that you can implement at your dealerships and get them, uh, you know, talking about your products uh, on every vehicle possible. Right on. Well, you know what the music means. Our time is up. But I really appreciate y'all spending time today to talk about this pretty critical issue right now in our market. Thank you very much for your time. All right, Reagan. Thank you, bro. Thank you as always. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, so go check the website at theshopmag.com where you can access this podcast plus all kinds of news and information specially designed for you the specialty aftermarket shop. You can also subscribe to the monthly magazine and the daily e-newsletter while you're there. Until next time, adios amigos.